ka-ching, ka-ching, bling, bling, bling. This episode of Monocycle is brought to you by the very apropos Squarespace, the easiest way to create a blog or website. And for a limited time, you can get 10% off your first purchase by using the code Monocycle at checkout. Together, forever, you'll stay in my browser and I will love you. Hi, welcome back to Monocycle, a podcast by Man Repeller, hosted by Leandra Medine. You know, I've been thinking a lot about the Mark Jacobs incident of last week. For the uninitiated, here's a brief summary. Mark Jacobs showed his spring-summer 2017 collection, and the collection was really inspired by rave culture. On each of the models were dreadlocks sewed into their hair. Of course, this is problematic out of the gates. The minute I saw that hair on the runway, all I could think was, Mark Jacobs is going to have his ass handed to him after this show. But the more I thought about it, the more it occurred to me that it wasn't actually the dreadlocks that were a problem so much as it was the accreditation and the response of Mark Jacobs. So when Mark Jacobs' hairstylist Guido was interviewed, he very specifically said, the interesting thing about Mark is how he takes something so street and so raw, and because of the coloration of the hair and the makeup, it becomes a total look. Something that we've bypassed on the street and not really looked at or seen a million times, he makes us look at it again in a much more sophisticated and fashionable way. So this is really where the problem started. And of course, as was expected, the internet threw their arms up, the outrage machine came out to play, and people started freaking out. Mark's response initially was pretty upset and taken aback, and I kind of get where he was coming from, because my understanding of Mark Jacobs would be that he didn't see this coming because it never even crossed his mind, it never quite occurred to him. Which, of course, is problematic in and of itself, because we shouldn't be making decisions without taking into account what the public reaction to said decision will be. We wrote a story about this on Man Repeller, and the story was, I don't want to call it a takedown of the show, because that really wasn't the point. Essentially, the bottom line of our story was, it's a shame that the hair stood in the way, because we can't talk about how great the clothes are. And I felt like it was really our responsibility to comment on the hair, and while of course this collection, if you take a look, you'll see, was absolutely inspired by rave culture, the thing about the specific dreadlocks is that Even though they were a salient component of rave culture, in the context of rave culture, they were appropriated and not credited from elsewhere. So two things, right? Number one, this could have been easily avoided by crediting the appropriate groups out of the gates. So that's an important piece of it. And number two, Mark Jacobs' response could have been completely different. He said something on Instagram to the effect of, we don't get upset at black people for straightening their hair, which... I sort of want to give Mark the benefit of the doubt and say that that was a really emotional reaction because when you make a collection and you put your guts out there, and that's exactly what it is, it's opening up your legs and asking the world to scrutinize what's inside of them, to feel as though something you never saw coming could become the centerpiece of the conversation is heartbreaking in many ways. Does that excuse the appropriation? No, of course not. So after we published this story, the reaction really ran a gamut. Half of the responders thought, "Uh, this is great. Thanks so much for bringing light to it. I so appreciate your talking about this in a really candid and intelligent way. And half the response was, 
what the fuck, I expect this from everyone, but not from you. Dreadlocks belong to tons of cultures. Mark Jacobs didn't do anything wrong. Cool the fuck down, chill out, et cetera, et cetera. And my response really to that reaction was, we have come so far that we are in a position where we feel as though we can react to the outrage machine and that is a fantastic position to be in. But if no one had addressed the dreadlocks to start, this would have been a completely different conversation. Still, in reading the responses to Man Repeller's article, it was called On Cultural Appropriation, Racism, and Fashion's Blind Spots. Uh, I thought a lot about whether or not we should reopen this conversation. Of course, my intention is not to beat a horse that's already been severely killed. But I am really curious about how out of hand it got. You know, it made me, I felt, I almost felt guilty, not for our publishing the story or anything, but when have we gone too far? So I, I want to invite our editorial director, Leslie Price, who started with us a couple of weeks ago to sit down with me and talk through why we published the Mark Jacobs article, how we're feeling about it, share some general thoughts on the outrage machine, uh, and, and talk through this age of overt political correctness that we're living in right now. My feeling on it is that it was the problem was more in the in the way that Guido and Mark spoke to the press about the dreadlocks. In terms of political correctness, my impression of of all of this and this kind of topic when and when it happens online and when the dialogue happens online is that I don't think that people. I think that there's this this feeling that like political correctness is going to limit creative expression. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's true. I think that there's something that's threatening about having to consider other people's opinions and feelings that are outside of your own bubble. And that people immediately want to say, oh, this is, you know, what's all this outrage? Stop limiting me. I'm an artist. I take inspiration from everywhere. And, you know... Yes, artists take inspiration from everywhere, but there's been historically in the fashion industry a practice of quote-unquote borrowing from other cultures and not crediting them, not sharing profits with them. And I think it breeds a level of not trusting the right. industry. Well, and the problem there also is that the solution that seems to be put forward is such that we should no longer borrow, period. But the response is actually, let's just give the credit where it's due and share yep. where we need to. It doesn't mean that you can't reference. As a matter of fact, fashion is built on... Referencing. Yeah, on riffing on reference. Yeah, I think that most people had a problem with the actual verbalization of the inspiration. And the fact that Guido and Mark can live in a world where they don't even consider that someone might even be offended by this is also problematic. And that my first impression of the show, which was first, this is beautiful, and second, oh no. And that no one there raised a flag and said, this could be offensive. Let's just figure out what we're doing here. And that they were taken by surprise is also problematic. And I think it speaks to the fact that like a lot of people are not involved in the conversations at the top level. And that's, again, going back to the problem of getting diversity in fashion. Right. I mean, Mark Jacobs' reference was very clearly rave culture. Yeah. And dreadlocks were part of rave culture. Yes. But 
in that instance, they had been appropriated from a previous culture, but it was okay back then, <laughs> or it felt more okay back then, to not have to explain yourself. Yeah, and I think the thing about the internet is that an older generation is experiencing a sort of whiplash in that they are not as well-versed in uh, the dialogue that young people are well-versed in in terms of talking about these issues, and mm -hmm. then they make missteps. And I think part of it is just education, and I think part of it is, again, being forced to kind of like move outside of your bubble and realize how other people might interpret this that aren't in your space. I mean, the way I concluded the article was just saying, this is disappointing because we shouldn't be having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Why are we having this conversation? This could have been avoided, just one person speaking up and taking Mark aside and saying, we just need to deal with this in a way that is sensitive. Which didn't even actually require removing the dreadlocks from the equation. No. But see, in many ways also, I kind of feel for Mark. And I don't yes. know if this is because I'm like a white person and therefore... I don't smell white privilege the same way and and you know every time we talk to our friends who are on the other side of white privilege and their responses all we want from you is acknowledgement. Yes. I, I mean it's just becoming clearer and clearer to me and more and more obvious that acknowledgement is important and that it's really easy to forget that as a white person. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've I think I previously I haven't spoken out on stuff like this because I didn't want to add my voice as a white voice mm -hmm. to other white people talking about something that doesn't directly affect me and I might not be as well educated on as someone else who should be, whose voice should be elevated. Mm -hmm. But what I've come to realize is that that is important and that is part of the dialogue right. and that if you don't say anything, then you're tacitly approving of ignoring the issue right and then that's not okay yeah and so for such a contentious piece of criticism to not even cross your mind and then to see that that overcomes the entire conversation like I can kind of see where Mark Jacobs is coming from right like what the fuck guys yeah that I just had my second coming and this is all you're talking about because it yeah. really was an incredibly strong collection that was like old school Sofia Coppola the reason Mark Jacobs is the headliner on our calendar good I mean, you know? I just really wished the whole time that someone had said something to him, had some said something to Guido before they went and put their foot in their mouth. Do you think someone did say something to them no. and they maybe just ignored it or didn't? I don't know. I mean, I think I don't know what the dynamic of their organization is like, and they are so iconic. Mm -hmm. Both of them are so iconic, and maybe people are afraid of mm -hmm. taking them aside. Yeah. You know, I don't know why, but after our story went live and I went through the comments and I thought about it over the weekend and I emailed you and Amelia and Verena on Sunday and said, I really want to talk about this in an open public forum with you guys. Um, I felt a weird sense of guilt about that story. <laughs> and I, I don't really know why, because I, I, I do explicitly believe that it was our moral responsibility to take that stance and that it would have been tone deaf to talk about the collection without acknowledging the dreadlocks. Mm -hmm. um, but I also sort of saw the other side of the equation and the puzzle, and I wonder if the reason I felt guilty about it is because we are becoming so evolved in our understanding of appropriation and political correctness that saying, identifying, addressing is not enough anymore. You know, like, I just wanna do. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. I, I try to educate myself, I think that's important, and. That's the constant 
task and read about other people's experiences and read about how to like be an ally and how right. to be an ally online and what does that mean and how can I add something to this conversation without like just talking as a white person which right. just like like I said it you know the other thing you can do is like actually act and like actually try to enact change and be the change mm-hmm. and I think talking about it is important as a first step. Yeah. I think a lot of times people don't really know how to act and yeah. what that change means. So we're 15 people at Man Repeller and only two of the people who are employed by Man Repeller are not white, mm-hmm. right? So the way that we put change in place is by pushing, 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 not waiting, and making sure that the next three urgent hires are not white women with blonde hair. Yes. Right? I think it's it's elevating the voices of women of color, mm-hmm. uh, and not just when we need them, not mm-hmm. just when we want a reaction to the Mark Jacobs show. Of course, you know that's also problematic. Like elevating women's voices on a variety of topics and full time employment for women of color, and it's it's a need for the organization, and it's a need for editorial, and it's a need you know in general, and it, it's not just. It's not some sort of altruistic need. It's a real need. It's an actual business goal. One of the things I think that's frustrating with a reaction like Marx is like, I don't see color. Like that reaction is such a privileged reaction because like you don't have to see color. You walk around in the world and you don't have to deal with the reality of being a person of a different race. Mm -hmm. And that a person of a different race doesn't have the luxury of not seeing color. Like they're forced to confront that reality on a day-to-day basis. And they have, there's a history there, and there's just so much to unpack. You can't just gloss over that. Right. Uh, but, yeah, we all have to constantly work on acknowledging our internal biases and being okay with when we realize we have a bias and not getting defensive about it and trying to learn about it and trying to learn from other people without, like, monopolizing their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we can figure out how to be better people, better humans. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot to unpack about black women's hair and the what was said about taking something that is street and making it fashion. It's just problematic. It's mm-hmm. so many problems associated with that statement and so many problems associated with the thought of taking a hairstyle that like is worn by a lot of black people yes, and is historically credited to them yes and historically black people especially black women have run into a lot of issues with wearing their hair in dreadlocks or natural um and again that's like we don't think about hair as privilege but hair and walking down the street or walking into your office and being able to wear your hair in the way it grows out of your head and not having someone have a problem with that is also a privilege yeah I would definitely agree with you. I guess that as popular culture becomes more and more politically correct and the popular opinion is to 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 facilitate the fueling of this outrage machine, to, to be upset, to talk about how things are wrong, there's a lot more mindlessness going into the equation. Yeah. I think that, I mean, there's definitely a truth to that. Like, on the one hand, it's a really exciting time because these conversations are happening. And I, you know, 10 years ago, like these conversations weren't happening mm-hmm. around race, around gender, around yeah. sexuality. And that's exciting and amazing. And the, 
the amount of fluency that young people have on these issues is incredible and it always impresses me. Yeah, it's very impressive. But on the other hand, cynically, I know that a lot of websites will just post this content because they know it will drive traffic. And a lot of websites will post it in a way to just incite people to get more angry, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if it helps the conversation. I don't know if it adds value to the conversation, right? And there's a lot of learning that needs to be done. 